Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. It's a pleasure being with you again this week, my friends. A lot has happened. Um, we're going to start off with politics tonight. I know you're probably all beat up and tired from uh, television and the rest of the media about Iowa, Trump, etc. Uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't address uh, the Iowa election just a wee bit. The Iowa caucus is ready, uh, rather. I want to start with Donald Trump himself first. Uh, I do not like Donald Trump. <laughs> I think he's a danger and he would be a detriment to our country. I've written about this in my weekly column. I have talked about it on, uh, in my blog, uh, my morning blog, on many occasions, and I've spoken on this show about it. Uh, the man's a bully. He's not presidential timber. He's an extremist. He tells people what they want to hear, okay? He talks to people and gives promises them everything they want, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that what he promises and what he pro- and what they want and what he says to them is necessarily good for them. But the people hear what they want to hear and they say, oh boy, this guy's terrific. Uh, he's a Pied Piper. And just as the Pied Piper led the children off and away and we never saw the kids again, uh, he would be a detriment to the United States. Quite frankly, Donald Trump reminds me of a man in the early 1930s in Germany. His name was Hitler, Adolf Hitler. He was, In fact, he was sworn in as Chancellor of Germany on January 30th, 1933. Uh, I believe that that day when he was sworn in as chancellor was the beginning of the end for Germany. And I believe that if Trump were successful in the final analysis and was elected president of the United States, it could very well be the beginning of the end for this country. Now the election, the caucuses last night themselves. Uh, I'm shocked uh, that Trump came in second. Uh, that was pretty difficult for him to accept, I'm sure. He, you know, I'm ahead, I'm the leader in the polls, you know, everybody loves me. And Cruz, very quietly, kept working, kept working, and he ends up number one. Uh, I was impressed for the first time with a Trump speech, uh, his concession speech last night. If he talked that way all the time, I, I, I could consider him as presidential timber. He was humble. Uh, you know, no bravado, and he just said, I lost. Quite open, quite honest, etc. We'll see what happens now as we go along. He's going to lose New Hampshire. Cruz is uh, going to beat him there. Rubio is on his way up. Uh, interestingly, I spoke to uh, a friend of mine, Tom, in Des Moines, Iowa, yesterday early in the day, and I said, who's going to win the primary out there, the Republican primary caucus again, I apologize. And he said, Rubio. And he, he, Rubio came close. Rubio could be the man in the final analysis. On the Democratic side, uh, good showing by Bernie Sanders. Uh, very good showing. You know, this guy was, what, 60 points behind six months ago, had no money. Now he's got more money than most of them. And all small contributions, I think they averaged $27 per person. And he virtually, there was a virtual tie last night. I think they were two-tenths of one percentage point part with Hillary coming out a wee bit ahead of him. Uh, they either split the delegates or she gets one more. Uh, 
very impressive run by Bernie Sanders, not impressive by Hillary Clinton. Uh, she, I don't know what's going to happen with her. She's going to lose New Hampshire. No question about it. She's going to lose New Hampshire. Sanders is way ahead of her. Problem becomes when they get hit North Carolina, she may very well take North South Carolina rather big, uh, because Sanders is, does not have a huge following amongst the Afro-Americans, but we shall see. I was impressed with Bernie Sanders. Uh, Hillary has all of the experience. She probably has more experience than anyone who has ever run for president uh, and should, on paper, make a great president. Uh, my concern with her, and initially I was very strong for her, now I don't know if I even support her, uh, she's always in trouble. There's always an issue with her. You know, I, I, it's, I just don't understand. This woman, she's always got a problem, and she doesn't seem to get out of her problem or resolve the problem so that it goes away run right away. Uh, rather than face up, she seems to try to avoid. So she's got problems, this woman. She could be indicted. We're waiting for the FBI report to come out. So those are my thoughts on Donald Trump, the various other candidates, and yesterday in Iowa. I want to stay with Hillary Clinton for a moment. Uh, there was an article about 10 days ago in the New York Times, and they reported that Goldman Sachs has paid Hillary Clinton $675,000 since she uh, left the office of Secretary of State since 2012. They have paid her $675,000 for talks that she has given to Goldman Goldman Sachs. These are private talks. Uh, She also has been paid, this article indicated, $30 million, $30 million since 2012, for speeches to different banks, financial institutions, uh, corporations, domestic and international. And I read somewhere else, and I can't recall exactly, I apologize, but the total amount she has taken in for speeches, for talks, since 2001 is $125 million. Uh, I don't care. She made money. That's fine. God bless her. Uh, she deserves it. If somebody wants to pay her that kind of money, it's like, you know, she's Peyton Manning or somebody. She gets the biggest dollar. She's the best of the best. The problem that's come up is she's being asked now to release the transcripts of her speeches. She has copies of the speeches she presented. And some corners believe that those speeches should be tendered to the public, uh, Because let's see what she said to the bankers. What did she promise to the bankers, if anything? What did she promise to Wall Street, if anything? What did she promise to the corporations, if anything? And let's see. And so far, she has been not been cooperative in that regard. Her business, if she thinks she can fight it, fine. It has not become a big issue yet. Most of you are probably unaware of what's been going on. I think it's a proper request, and she should comply. What I'm going to tell you now is going to blow your mind. Uh, Let's start this way. We owe China, the United States of America owes China close to $1.5 trillion. Lots of money. It's one, three, one, four, somewhere in there. Uh, Other countries owe money to China. China has been the banker for the world, okay? But they make money easy. They print it very easy over in China. They're, They're not as strict as many other countries are as we are. In any event, Ecuador owes China 
seven billion dollars, nowhere close to the one point something trillion that we owe China. China says, you got to pay me back. China wants to be paid back. Well, Ecuador says, I haven't got the money. <laughs> I can't pay you $7 billion. Where am I going to get it? Uh, well, China says, very simple. If you can't pay us our $7 billion, we want you to give us 3 million acres of the Amazon rainforest. They have an Amazon rainforest in Ecuador, and they said, we want this 3 million acres. There's a total of 8.1 million acres. And why does China... Willing to, why is China willing to swap uh, the debt for the land? Very simple, oil. There's oil in this region that has been untapped. No one's tried to untap it, but the, the scientists are aware there is oil there. China wants that oil. They're going to develop the property, and that's how Ecuador's paying off the bill. Well, when they come to us, China, if they do, and say, I want my $1.45 trillion, and we say we can't pay you, what are we going to give them? I mean, it's, it's almost funny. We're going to give them the Grand Canyon? Uh, how about the Empire State Building? Or maybe it'll take all of Manhattan. It's an interesting thing, and it could happen. You never know. <laughs> Airport screening. You know, those people, the TSA, when, when you, uh, you're going to take a trip, uh, first of all, they pride you with the, with whatever they have in their hand. They pride you with their hands when they're, they're feeling you down because the machine went off that you went through for some reason. They go through your purse. They go through any uh, your briefcase or whatever you're carrying on. Uh, and there's sometimes too much. There have been a lot of complaints that they're too touchy, uh, especially with women. Having said that, things are getting worse. The Drug Enforcement Agency of the United States, the DEA, another federal agency, is concerned about drugs, obviously, and people who deal in drugs have a lot of cash, and they've got to move that cash around. And some people move the cash around, interestingly, on their body, $100,000 in cash wrapped around somebody's body, uh, or it's in a suitcase or a, or. A in some bag they're taking onto a plane. And when they go through security, uh, it could be discovered or they can get through with it. Well, the Drug Enforcement Agency has made a deal with TSA, with their personnel and security, and said, look, if you find any money in large amounts, and if you find it, we pay you a finder's fee, a commission for finding it. Can you imagine? So when they're filling you up, or feeling you down, or going through your luggage, or what have you, if they find a significant amount of cash, they're going to get a percentage of it as a finder's fee. And they, the, the, both agencies claim it's legal. Uh, they, the, DEA says, the DEA says they can state that some group is a confidential source. And they have designated these uh, security people, the TSA, as a confidential source. And under the law, they can make the payment of a finder's fee. Well, I don't think this is quite right because these people were organized. This agency, this department was set up to do security at airport terminals to make sure no one brings on a plane, something that's going to explode or a gun or what have you. Now they're getting into police duties different from what they were erected for us 
or uh, put together for, and it's an they're being policemen. In effect, they're being policemen, and they're going to get paid for it if they find anything. Uh, I think this is an incentive for abuse. Uh, it will encourage TSA agents to be a little more touchy and go through your luggage a little more thoroughly, and it's going to make for all kinds of bad situations. Now, it's not just me that thinks this way, because the Inspector General of the Justice Department this past week came out with a report, and he was very critical of this activity. He said it's an incentive for abuse also, and let's see what happens now. As you're aware, I read a column uh, once a week for a local newspaper here in Key West, Conk Life. Um, I, I researched the article on Saturday. I write it on Sunday. I have to have it to the publisher by 5 o'clock Sunday night. Uh, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to write come Saturday morning, and I'm digging. And one way or another, I come up with interesting things, it seems. The article published last Wednesday, uh, which is in the present, uh, the paper that's on the street today, I, I labeled Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Remember, Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony. He stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Mind the music and the step, and with the girls be Randy. Well, the Yankee Doodle Dandy is part of American history. Big part of American history. It's our first national song. And here's how it all came to be. We have to go back to the French and Indian War, 1754-1763. The British and the colonials, the colonists, fought together against the French and the Indians. And this war lasted a long time. The British officers did not like the colonials. They thought that they were slobs, ignorant, uh, had no manners, no table manners, were uncouth. This is Go through the history book stories. This is how they describe uh, the colonials who were fighting with them, the, the British officers. And they made fun. They made fun of uh, the colonials. A Dr. Richard Schuchberg, Schuchberg, he was a British Army surgeon. He authored the words I just read to you. He authored those words. And he was making fun of the colonists when he, he wrote these words. And what the... I want to go over what the words mean very quickly. Yankee is a dismissive word. It's of Dutch derivation. It is not a nice word. It means you're worthless. Doodle, Yankee doodle, is of German origin. It means fool or simpleton. Fool or simpleton. Macaroni's the best part of all this. There was a club in London at the time uh, of the revolution called the Macaroni Club. Uh, a bunch of dandies belonged to it, young male men uh, dressed very sharply in striped pants and everything else. They had a hat, they wore a feather in, and they, they spoke. The reason it's called the, it was called the Macaroni Club, they re, would use Italian phrases to influence the public that they were intelligent, they were smart, they were cultivated. They also were homosexuals. This is, they were homosexuals. And... When and when the British, all right, referred to them as macaroni, the colonials, they were saying unquestionably that the colonials were womanish, lacking in masculinity, 
And this was a bigger insult than it is today. Today's no longer an insult, or maybe a little one. Back then, it was big stuff and very embarrassing to the colonials, and they didn't like it. The colonials did not like it. Well, comes the start of the revolution. We're talking about Lexington and Concord. That was the beginning of the American Revolution. What happened was the British soldiers marched from Boston to Lexington and Concord. As they were marching along, they were singing, and their fife and drum corps was playing Yankee Doodle Dandy. And the reason they were singing this as they went along to fight the colonials was to get them upset, make them feel like garbage, like crap, uh, so they wouldn't fight as effectively. Well, as it turned out, the the colonists, the colonials won. They beat the hell out of the British at Lexington and Concord, whipped their asses unquestionably. And as the British retreated from Lexington and Concord to go back to Boston, the colonists were chasing them. And as they chased them, they were singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. The song no more belonged to the British at that moment, it became part of, it was our first national song, in effect, okay? And then when the British surrendered at Saratoga and Yorktown, those two defeats, uh, in effect, were the end of the Revolutionary War. We had beat the hell out of the British. We were an independent nation. While the ceremony was taking place, where the Brits surrendered their swords, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the colonists were sinking Yankee Doodle Dandy, which in effect they were saying, up yours. Ha, ha, ha. Good show. I want to talk about military spending uh, briefly. It's an important issue. We don't talk about it enough. Uh, it, it, the biggest item in the budget is military spending. You know, the Army, Navy, Air Force, guns, ships, planes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I believe there's a lot of waste and corruption. There's tremendous waste. I believe that the military-industrial complex, as Eisenhower warned, has taken over. They own our congressmen. I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. We all know. Most of our legislators are owned by corporate America. They, they do their dictates because one way or another they benefit. Uh, so... What happens? You know, there, there was a story like 20 years ago. We were paying $700 for one toilet seat. Things like this are happening all the time, and it's not right. What we need is a Harry Truman, and here's why. Uh, Harry Truman was a senator and had been a senator for several years in 1941. Harry Truman was considered an honest man. He was incorruptible. No question about it. Uh, that's why they picked him as vice president, because they assumed Roosevelt might go, and this was a good guy to be president. But he established his credentials, Truman, uh, in 1941. The war started, Pearl Harbor was in December, but in March 1941, we were into Lend-Lease with Great Britain, and we were starting to gear up for a war we knew was coming. The United States Senate felt that Someone had to oversee these military con contracts because they were going out quickly for all kinds of amounts. No one knew what was right or wrong. So they formed a committee. They appointed Harry Truman as chairman. The committee became known as the Truman Committee. Truman chaired it from March 1941 to the day Roosevelt died and he took over the presidency. 
And during his time, it is recognized that Truman exposed waste, fraud, and corruption in federal government wartime contracts. Not only did he expose them, he saw that they were prosecuted and went to jail. We were not afraid back then to send people who screw the American public to jail like we were in 2008. I'm still waiting for big bankers to get indicted. They're never going to get indicted. Now, citizens groups I want to talk about. Uh, we have a lot of, not military, they act military, but we have anti-American citizen groups in the United States. Anti-American citizen groups. They are hostile to the interests of the United States. Uh, they dislike, they fear the government of the United States, specifically, expressly the government of the United States. An example are the people who have locked themselves up in a building on some federal land in Oregon now. Some of them were arrested. Someone was killed. There's still four or five in that building. These people believe that the federal government is handling this federal property wrong. They want things changed. And they're willing to die for this. You see it on television. I'm not afraid to die. Uh, they're willing to die because this is a cause that they believe in. They're afraid the government is getting too powerful. Now, there are, you're not going to believe this, in 2015, there were 1,274 anti-government groups in the United States. 1,274. 334 were militias, military types, okay? And then there's a group, too, called Sovereigns. Sovereigns. Uh, they hate everybody. Primarily, they're racist and anti-Semitic. Uh, many of these people worry that the federal government is going to come after them. And they are preparing and need to prepare for the coming resolution, uh, revolution. Uh, I read somewhere recently uh, there are three primary reasons for the growth of anti-government groups. They, the resurgence of these groups has been dramatic since 2008. And the fueling factors, it is said, include three things. Changing democrat demographics, rather, driven by immigration, a staggering economy, which we're all aware of. And this third point is interesting. Uh, the election of the first African-American president. All very interesting. We've got to worry about these groups. Uh, all those demonstrations, all the demonstrations this past year where people were in the streets, yelling, screaming, demonstrating concerning blacks being killed by police officers. You saw there were military groups there and military fatigues there, but they're civilians, and they were carrying guns and everything else, and the police never interfered with them. Because we don't know as a government how to deal with these people, and they are developing their own independent individual strengths. This is a problem for our country to face at some point. Cost of a college education. This is big. No one seems to really pay attention to college education except to say, we will, must make it easier for these kids to pay off their college debt, the money they borrowed to pay their way through college. Well, let me tell you what I think about all this. Number one, it's ridiculous that the that kids today have to pay $30,000 to $60,000 a year to go to college. 
and they are permitted to borrow most, if not all, of this money. 18, 19 years old, you got a free ride, kids, because our Congress at one time said everyone deserves a college education, which I don't believe. Uh, not everyone is competent or qualified to go to college. We need plumbers and carpenters and so forth. Uh, so it's wrong that we send everybody to college because these kids take the money and they go party for a year or two. But they still owe the money for the next 10, 20 years. Uh, the other thing, it, it, colleges, everybody looks at, oh, these are wonderful institutions for higher education. They are businesses. These are not for-profit corporations. They are businesses. They pay exorbitant salaries. Presidents of, of most universities get anywhere from 400 to over $1,000 a year to over a million dollars a year. Uh, they live lavishly. Professors, professors get tenure, tenure. Tenure means once you're in a place and taught for so many years, they can't fire you. Generally, it's 10 years in most schools. And once they get tenure, they don't work as hard. Why work as hard? Nobody can get rid of me. Salaries of professors are out of line. Remember this. At most, the professor teaches three three-hour courses a week. That's nine hours. He's working nine hours a week. Okay? So he has to sit in his office, talk to kids, correct papers and everything. 20 hours a week. Uh, people claim they work in excess of 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but they don't. It's a great job, and I'm not knocking it. But they're getting paid too much money, and the universities, this is the big thing. They want to build buildings all the time. I know I said on the board of a school. They want to build all the time. Keep building. Even though we're not getting enough kids, we must keep building because one of the things that defines whether a university is a big deal or not is how many physical they have and how new they are. Well, while this is all going on, these kids, they'll take anybody into college today. Many of these kids are not qualified to go to college, but they want the tuition dollars to the university, and they take the kids because they know they can borrow the money. Uh, whether they can pay back is not their problem. Another thing about education that burns my ass, college education, and most people are unaware of this, and I've talked about this on the show before, is that the universities, uh, not, I'm sorry, not the universities, but the United States government gets an average of $40 billion a year anytime a student pays. The government has a piece of the action. This is the way this thing was set up. The government eats. Now, why should they take that $40 billion a year and put it in the government's pocket? That money should be distributed back to reduce the payments of the students who owe so much. Because let me tell you, it takes 10, 15 years for most of these students to pay up these debts. It's difficult for them to marry. They don't, can't buy it first and start a college fund for their kids as they're born. Good luck. Something that people have to start looking at. It, it's not so much we make the laws should be corrected to make it easier for the kids to pay. The laws should be corrected to make sure the money that is going into the universities, excuse me, I'm going to put up my friends, is not away. Okay, uh, that's uh, the show for this week. Uh, I, I'm sure I may have offended some people. If I did, I apologize. Uh, I like to call them as I see them. Uh, I, I thank you for listening to the show. Very few of you listen to me on Tuesday night at 9, my time. But yet thousands of you listen to me throughout the week uh, in the archive versions. It's amazing. 
and that's Blog Talk Radio. People just pick it up and listen to the show whenever they want to, uh, and it's the coming thing in this country. Uh, my show is archived on Block Talk Radio. It's archived on YouTube, and it's also linked to my Key West Lou website. Uh, all you have to do is go to Key West Lou and look at the, where my blog is every day, and look at the upper uh, look up the top of the page at the barn on the right hand side. You see Conk Life Column, and uh, no, the show rather. I'm sorry. Block Talk Radio, and you can listen to the show. My con columns up there also. Uh, I thank you again for joining me this week. I, I look forward to being with you next week. Remember, I wrote a book, The World Upside Down. I say this every week, and a few people buy the book. Please buy my book on Amazon.com. It, on Amazon, it will not break you. I think it's $3 and something. It may be even cheaper now because it's been out for two years. But I think you will enjoy it. If you enjoy the show, you will enjoy the world upside down. Thank you again for joining me, and good night.